Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Let us pray and let's see what God has for us today in Leviticus 18. Lord, I just... Um, I come to you uh, humbly. I come to you uh, with open heart, open mind. Um, and so do all of us today on this call. Lord, we just come to you wanting to hear your word, your love, your truth, your instruction, um, your teaching for us today. I just pray that you continue to uh, guide us, work within us, um, continue to mold our hearts for you. Uh, continue to grow us uh, closer and closer to being more like your son, Jesus, and less like our fleshly selves. Lord, I surrender myself to you that this be your message, that these be your words, that you uh, guide my lips and my tongue today as we talk about this subject uh, with all that is going on around us in our world. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. All right. So let's dive into it. I see we've got some uh, we've got some foreign callers coming in. I see some uh, Dominican Republic people coming out there. So hey, let's give it up for those that are out in the Dominican Republic doing great work for the Lord and loving on those as a part of our Go mission here at Fusion Church. I want to thank you all for being out there um, and doing such good stuff. But let's read Leviticus eighteen. Um, and see what we have. Uh, verse one, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Um, then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. I am the Lord your God. So do not act like the people in Egypt where you used to live or like the people of Canaan where I am taking you. You must not <clears throat> imitate their way of life. You must obey all my regulations and be careful to obey my decrees, for I am the Lord your God. If you obey my decrees and my regulations, you, you will find life through them. I am the Lord. Verse 6, you must never have sexual relations with a close relative, for I am the Lord. Do not violate your father by having sexual relations with your mother. She is your mother. You must not have sexual relations with her. Do not have sexual relations with any of your father's wives, for this would violate your father. Do not have sexual relations with your sister or half-sister, whether she is your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether she was born unto your household or someone else's. Do not have sexual relations with your granddaughter, whether she is your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, for this would violate yourself. Do not have sexual relations with your stepsister, the daughter of any of your father's wives, for she is your sister. Do not have sexual relations with your father's sister, for she is your father's close relative. 
do not have sexual relations with your mother's sister, for she is your mother's close relative. Do not violate your uncle, your father's brother, by having sexual relations with his wife, for she is your aunt. Do not have sexual relations with your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. So you must not have sexual relations with her. Do not have sexual relations with your brother's wife, for this would violate your brother. Do not have sexual relations with both a woman and her daughter, and do not take her granddaughter, whether her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter, and have sexual relations with her. They are close relatives. This would be a wicked act. While your wife is living, do not marry her sister and have sexual relations with her, for they would be rivals. Do not have sexual relations with a woman during her period of menstrual impurity. Do not defile yourself by having sexual intercourse with your neighbor's wife. Do not permit any of <clears throat> do not permit any of your children to be um, offered as a sacrifice to Molech. For you must not bring shame on the name of your God. I am the Lord. We're definitely going to talk about that part. Do not practice homosexuality, having sex with another man as with a woman. It is detestable. It is a detestable sin. Verse 23, a man must not defile himself by having sex with an animal. And a woman must not offer herself to a male animal to have intercourse with it this is a perverse act verse 24 do not defile yourself in any of these ways for the people i am driving out before you have defiled themselves in all these ways because the entire land has become defiled i am punishing the people who live there i will cause the land to vomit them out you must obey all my decrees and regulations. You must not commit any of these detestable sins. This applies both to native-born Israelites and to the foreigners um, living among you. All these detestable activities are practiced by the people of the land where I am taking you. And this is how the land has become defiled. So do not defile the land and give it a reason to vomit you out as it will vomit out the people who live there now. Whoever commits any of these detestable sins will be cut off from the community of Israel. So obey my instructions and do not defile yourselves by committing any of these detestable practices that were committed by the people who live in the land before you. I am the Lord your God. The word of the Lord. All right, go ahead and get a good stretch in definitely today as we dive into this and get a good swig of your coffee if you got any or tea, whatever your beverage of morning choice is, maybe it's orange juice. I don't know. All right, let's get into this. One of the things I want to. All right. One of the things I want to kind of go into as we read this, and as we look into this, I want um, us to look at this from uh, more than just legalistic black and white eyes. I want us to really open up our spiritual eyes as much as possible to see what God is fully talking about here. Right. Um, 
because there's always this argument of, okay, we're reading the Levitical, we're reading God's law to Moses, but yet in a New Testament context, we still see that, well, Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus um, took care of all of that. So why does this still apply to me? Um, there's a couple things that are going on here. Uh, number one is that, yes, Jesus fulfilled the law, but we have to understand that in his Sermon on the Mount, and, and part of what he was talking about was, hey, I did not come to destroy the law. He says it very plainly in Matthew saying that I did not come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. And he who still teaches my law is doing good. He who is still trying to obey my law is doing a good thing. And anyone who speaks against my law, I will not recognize them. And so we see these, um, we see that Jesus is saying stuff like that uh, to understand and let us see that, guess what? Obeying the law is not wrong. It's actually something that he continues to uh, reinforce when it comes to a lot of areas of morality. And this is a huge chapter in dealing with a, a particular area of morality. Jesus fulfilled the law in a major way of saying, guess what? I'm your forever sacrifice for your sin. I'm your forever because I am the sacrifice for all time to wipe away sin. I am the way to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. Amen? So because of that, I want us to also see, we have this statement, I kind of like it, I kind of don't like it, but it, it does go around in Christian circles, right? It's um, uh, love, love the sinner, hate the sin, hate the action. And there's a little bit of truth in that. And there's, I, I don't really like it because I think it gets too cliche, but the overall heart of the idea is somewhat correct. And the fact that in here, when we see that these, when God is calling sins uh, wicked, um, detestable, or in other translations, um, a, an abomination to him and things of that nature, again, he's talking about the sin. He's talking about the sin. He's not talking about the person. But the person chose to act in that sin. So there, there is this wrestle here. But we have to still remember that everybody is made in the image of God. Everybody still remains to get at least the dignity of that level that we are all made in the image of God. But the actions in which we choose to partake in or not partake in is a major factor. That's where God is saying that this action that you're doing, this, this choice that you chose to go forth and do this is not right. We see that one of the main things here is, well, this was just to the Israelites. Well, here's the problem. Even in here, I don't even have to go to other verses. We can just look at 18 alone. God is still judging people that are not in Israel. Because if God is the creator of all, if God is the creator of everyone, 
He is Lord of everyone still, even in the Old Testament. God is still God. God doesn't change. He's still the judge of everyone, period. What he's trying to do in the context of the Old Testament with Israel is that Israel is meant to supposed to be the light to the world to bring everyone back to worshiping God. But we see that Canaanites, Hittites, uh, Jebusites, all of these other groups, all of these other people have walked away from God and have their own gods and have their own way of acting and doing whatever they want. And so we see that God is judging those even outside of the nation of, uh, of Israel, which lets us know, yes, God is the God of all. And so there's kind of this level of the there's certain arguments against uh, even listening or paying attention to Leviticus 18 here. And I'm telling you, no, it's still God's word. And we that's a big part of it. And because this is God's word, this is where we are rooting uh, everything here is because we believe that this in its original language was directly inspired by the spirit of God and is God's word for all mankind. In John 1, 1, we see in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In 2 Timothy uh, 3, 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All of it. And so with that, that's where we're saying that this still applies to us today. So as we kind of like look deeper into this is that we see that, guess what? A lot of people were saying, why, why did... God want to move Israel into their holy land and get rid of all of these people. And it's it's saying exactly here, these people were ridiculously sinful. They were obey, they were doing all of these things, not just of some of them. It wasn't like, hey, you know, they dabbled in some. It was they did all of these things. They as in verse 24, do not defile yourself in any of these ways for the people I am driving out before you have defiled themselves in all these ways. I am punishing the people who live there. Now, he's saying that the land, the land itself has even become defiled. The land itself has even become defiled because of their continual habitual and deep deep amount of sin that has gone on there this is basically talking about spiritual warfare this is saying spiritual warfare is going on where they through their sin through their continual sin and acting on what they want to do and worshiping other gods such as molech specifically that is mentioned here and we'll get into him in, in a little bit that this is spiritual warfare it has allowed by continuing and allowing and actually accepting this sin as normal, as correct, as the way I want to live, as whatever, you are defiling that land. You are allowing spiritual warfare. You are letting the enemy take ground 
in there and has a foothold on that ground. Think of it in like military terms. They took over that hill. The enemy has a foothold there. The enemy has taken over that ground. It has become defiled because the enemy has it now. But our God is a redemptive God. Our God is a God that, that's partially why I uh, love that song, that the battle belongs to our Lord, is because he's the one that wins. He's the one that always has victory. He's the one that continues to be our redeemer, our provider, uh, our, our way maker. He is the one that gets everything cleaned up because nobody can touch our God. We have so much goodness out of what Jesus has done for us. We maybe some of these areas that we have described in reading through this chapter is an area that all of us are. So let me say this all of us are tempted in different ways in our lives. All of us have different weaknesses. Um, some of y'all have heard it plenty of times gummy bears and Oreos, let's go. All right. So uh, you wave a bag of that around. I'm like, ooh, squirrel. Like it, it's it's a temptation. Right. We have brothers and sisters that this is an area of a deep temptation for them. But our God is greater than that. Our God is better than that. Our God is one that we can lean on as our rock, our foundation that we can focus on. This is where we need to have our focus. And that saying that too often here in these areas, we see that people are doing this because they don't know who God is. They don't know who God is. So Molech, what's the big deal with Molech? Molech was uh, a God specifically um, that it, he was uh, the God of the Canaanites, um, and he's been the God of actually multiple different um, uh, tribes of people. Even northern Israel got into a point in history in the Old Testament here where they were even worshiping to Molech. And it says, do not, um, uh, I do not permit any of your, this is verse 21, do not permit any of your children to be offered as a sacrifice to Molech. Uh, for you must not bring shame on the name of your God. I am the Lord. Okay, how? what was this happening? Here's what happened. They had a giant golden, almost like a golden calf. They would have his hands out like this and like a giant crayon. I mean, this is huge. The hands alone of this statue made of um, like bronze or some type of metal, the wood be as big as like a baby carriage or a basket. It's massive. And there would be a burning hot flame underneath the hands. And it would burn the metal of the hands to the point that the hands would glow red hot. And that's when uh, they believed that, hey, when the hands were glowing red hot, Moloch was ready to receive any of its sacrifice. And this is where it gets pretty brutal, right? They would put the babies on that burning hot hands and they would be pounding loud drums, stirring up Moloch and saying, yes, this is a sacrifice because we worship you 
and the drums would be so loud as to drown out the screams of the baby until it died. It was completely burned up. This was done by, and this this was done also by Northern Israel at a certain point. It was done by what they, even the babies that they chose were usually like temple prostitutes. But it would also be other people that just, guess what? Didn't want their baby anymore. And so they offered up their baby as sacrifice. I couldn't, I didn't want this baby. This baby was created out of wedlock. This baby was created out of um, an accident, uh, a sin, uh, a problem. It wasn't designed or wanted by the people. And so unfortunately, we see too much of modern day of this happening as well. I don't want this baby. I don't need this baby. I'm going to offer it up. And this is where we get into the, that problem. Do not sacrifice your children to Molech, the God of comfort, the God of your fleshly desires, the God of your own understanding, and not God's. This is where some of this can be pretty pretty hard to swallow because we masquerade um, different ideologies and political issues right now in so many different ways of trying to make it appeasing and understanding and quite honestly acceptable today. But that's ultimately the, the core root of it is in most cases, I just don't want it. And so I'm going to offer it up. And that's where we see a problem here. Now, the other one, the verse right after that is also verse 22. Do not practice homosexuality. So I chose the New Living Translation specifically even for this chapter specifically because it says that. In other translations, it will not say homosexuality there. It'll just go straight into do not have sex with men as men have sex with women. Um, it's detestable or an abomination to the Lord. It, I want us to understand that they put the word homosexuality in there specifically, not because that's the Hebrew. There was no Hebrew word for this. It was just describing the act. Today, in our current language, as we have it today, Yes, homosexuality is a new term. It's actually a term since the late 1800s um, that came around in our English language to describe the physical action of same-sex actions. And so that's always a controversy of like, well, that's not that wasn't in the Bible and that was put in there. Yes, and I'm going to tell you right now, understand, there's a problem with every every English translation of the Bible, because guess what? It's not Hebrew and Greek. <laughs> when we translate things into English, when we have to, there's, there's just certain words and different cultures and translations from that original language that don't always fit. So we try to get the best intent and understanding 
into the best way we can for us to understand what God is talking about. This is why we do uh, at times, you'll hear Pastor Brendan, myself, and so many others, and Pastor Jason uh, bringing up what did the Hebrew word here mean? What did the uh, Greek word mean in here? We want to get back to, because that's the core root of understanding that this is the word of God in its original context, in its original language. And yes, I'm going to tell you, no matter what English translation you read, that none of them are perfect because it's not the original language. Okay, so let's, I want us to like move on from that because that is a common uh, like stabbing point that a lot of people want to use. Well, it's not, okay, I got it. Guess what? They didn't write it in English in the original language in the first place. So uh, it's it's kind of not, it's a mute point, honestly. But the point is, is that it's describing the physical actions that God is saying is a sin and it's been a sin since the beginning of mankind. It's been a sin since the beginning of mankind. We see that these are a big deal because these are not just sins against ourselves. We see that it defiled the land. It gives the enemy a stronghold into not only just your individual life, but not only gives a stronghold into your family's life, but it gives a stronghold into physically the land that that community is in and it's destructive. It's destructive. We see so much hurt and turmoil and pain when these sins are done, when these sins are accepted, when these sins are taken on within our lives, our families' lives, our communities' lives. we see so much hurt and pain come from the second and third order chain events when these sins are committed and continued. That's why like God took a specific amount of time to understand to, he almost gave you the, Hey, understand this is a major topic for me because I'm going to give you this paragraph before we get into the actual law, the first of five verses is basically saying, look, I want you to understand that this is a big deal because this is destroying these other nations. This is what's killing Canaan. This is what's defiling the land. This is, You shall not imitate their way of life. You must obey all my regulations and be careful to obey my decrees. Because I am your God. I am who love you. I am the one that created you. I am the one that has your best interest. I know all. Would you come and trust me? Would you come and trust me? This is so much more than Identity politics and probably one of the worst words in the English language is the word love because it it's an all-encapsulating word that has been able to be defined in so many different ways and used for any old purpose. 
love is a great word and it's also a terrible word because in other languages they have multiple different words for love to describe the type of love that is and is not we all know that the love i have for my mom and my parents is much different than the love i have for my wife gabby so why are we using the same word for do two different types but that's what we have in our english language and so we get to unfortunately in our times we are redefining words to match our feelings instead of matching the truth and so this is this is kind of a problem but yes there's nothing wrong with Doug and I saying hey love you brother I pray for you and wish the best for you and everything there's nothing wrong with two women doing that and everything else but the problem is when we become into a physical action that God has said, no, this is where the line is drawn. This is the problem. This is when sin creeps in. This is when hurt and pain towards others creep in. This is when uh, division in families, division in relationships, division in the people and communities. This is when so much hurt comes in because of this. This is not to hurt you. This is for God to protect you. You know, <clears throat> King David would sit down and he would just read and read God's law. Because his spiritual eyes were open to be able to see that this is God's love. Because we protect those that we love. That we love like family, that we love like brothers and sisters, that we love as those that we want to make sure that when see the best in their lives for them, when we truly love like that, when we love to be able to tell somebody you're on the wrong path and it's and let's turn around and I want to help you together, let's walk the right way. When that kind of love, not the well, I don't want to be a nuisance. I don't want to tell them anything that'll hurt their feelings. That's not love. It's weakness. And it's hurtful. Love is saying, hey, brother Doug, what are we doing? Come on, brother. Let's go pray together. Let's go seek God's best together. Let's go seek his blessings. That's when ladies do this all the time and locking arms through Imago Day or Leadership Academy or so many other things where we see our ladies doing that. We see our men doing that at fight night and fight club and coming together and just saying we are believing in the best and what God has for us because we know that that produces true, not temporal fruit, but eternal fruit. When we seek God's best in our lives. And when we are able to open our spiritual eyes and see what God is doing. We can read this. And see that God is saying. I've got you. Follow me. 
don't let the enemy have a foothold in your heart. Don't let the enemy have a foothold in your family. Don't let the enemy have a foothold in your community, in your church. Because these are areas among many other sins as well. Where the enemy gets a foothold. The enemy gets to stomp in and say, I'm going to sit down on this couch and I'm going to own this living room. Don't let him have a foothold. Don't let him defile any of the land. Don't let him come in. And too often, too often the enemy doesn't come to your door in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork and say, I'm here to destroy you. He comes with a smile, looking like a neighbor, with a warm pie saying, welcome to the neighborhood. Can I come in and chat? And it looks good. It feels good. It says, what, what's the harm in that? And that's why when God's talking about dying to our fleshly desires, that it's harder than we think. But that's why we have such an amazing God. We have such an amazing God that among all of these sins, among all of the other sins that have gone on, among we see that even do not defile yourself by having sexual intercourse with your neighbor's wife. We see that in King David and uh, to uh, Samuel 11 with Bathsheba. We see all of these things. We saw uh, so many other detestable sins. You know, um, we saw that even Peter denying Jesus three times to deny your Lord as well. Also a detestable sin. God still redeemed him. None of these sins are more powerful than the cross. I want us to understand something. None of these sins are more powerful than the cross. That God has redeemed us all. That he sent his only son to take upon the sin of the world, including all of these, to gain back the land, to win at spiritual warfare, to win in our hearts and our lives, to win for our souls for eternity. Our God's that good. Our God loves us that much. And just like at the beginning, he's walking in the garden, saying, where are you? And he's calling for you because he loves you and you are made in the image of God. Regardless of what your temptations and weaknesses are in life, he still loves you. He's calling for you. And the heart of the father is for you to know him on a personal, intimate relationship. So let's do that. Let's show regardless of who they are and what way people want to think they identify as, that let's show them to who made them and what their real identity is and who they really are and what God's best and blessings are for their lives. Let's be light for our Lord. Let's be mirrors 
Let's be more like Jesus and less like ourselves. Let's pray. Lord, I just <clears throat> I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your love. Too often we we think of that word law and we think of these, we think of like a gavel and we think of uh, getting hammered over the head and, and beaten up. And that is not the heart of you, Lord. We know that these are gates, just like a shepherd herding his sheep, that there are gates to keep the flock within bounds and to keep the wolves at bay. Lord, may we just understand that your your fences and your gates and your laws and your rules and your love for us is exactly where it's coming from. It's your love to protect us, to guide us, to keep us safe, to keep us closer to you and not the wolves. Lord, we just thank you right now for all that you do in our hearts and our lives. Let us be reflections of your son, Jesus. May we continue to grow others and show others the love that you have in so many. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen. Everyone, I hope you all have a great Thursday. We can't wait to see you this Sunday. And we are getting closer and closer to Christmas. And so um, be on the lookout for all of that good information as we get into so many different amazing things that are coming up in December, Freedom Conference, um, and all of the great stuff, including our uh, Christmas services as well. It's going to be a great time. My favorite. See you all then. Take care and God bless.